Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more information, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, I'm not Superman, so sorry to disappoint you, but uh, aren't you amazed at, at how technically powerful that, that was back in the, the, the days uh, when dinosaurs roamed the earth? It, it, isn't, that, isn't that interesting to see the contrast between... T- well, speak, speak of technology, my, my microphone goes out. Is that all the time I get? One minute this morning? That's kind of tough. Um, welcome today, uh, Superman, Superman. That, that's kind of the, the theme we're going with. And um, back many, many years ago, back when, when Don was still in his 50s, I think, uh, this, this character was, was brought to us from the, the minds of, of two, uh, two gentlemen who, who created Superman, two, two Jewish gentlemen who, who came up with the concept of having this superhero that could leap tall buildings and was faster than a locomotive and, and you know, could, could bend the, the course of, of a river and, and make, it, make it flow a different direction. So, so many, many years ago, this, this was created, and it still lives uh, as a powerful impact Today, for all of us, as many of you, how many of you are kind of superhero type fans and, and people and you go to all the movies? I'm not, so I'm not really raising my hand. But, but what Superman, I think, really did more than anything else was set a standard to what everyone thinks that a man should be able to do and, and live up to. And, and I'm telling you, that would be nice, but, but it's very challenging and, and we can't possibly do all of that. As a matter of fact, uh, a lot of it we can't do. So this morning, if you would, uh, take your handouts and, and get the, the side that has the outline that you can follow along, take some notes. But, but today we're going to kind of dive into God's Superman there at the top of your, your outline. And, and, and as Christ followers, we read about Superman of, of the Bible and, and super women. And, and this goes for men, women, fathers, uh, young people, teen, wherever you're at in life, this message today is for all of us. And we read about these superheroes, uh, so to speak, of, of God's Word, or at least we should be reading about them. And, and I believe that every time, uh, I know that, that every time I, I look through the pages of Scripture and, and, and hear the great exploits of, of Moses and Joshua and Elijah and, 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 and all those, those great men of the Bible and, and, and Ruth and, and, and those deliverers and Samson and on and on, how they, they served God powerfully and delivered nations from captivity and, and David slayed the giant and, and, and they called down fire from heaven and they conquered enemies and they, they took the lands that, that belonged to, to the enemy and, and they made him God's land and they did all of these things. They brought revivals to, to cities in the book of Acts. You see where, where after Christ rose from the dead and, and, and ascended back into heaven, that the disciples literally went and turned the world upside down and, and brought revival to, to their known world. And, and I read about those things and I think, man, look at me right now. I think as, as a man of God, as, as a, a Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ, those are the kind of things I want to do. I want to be that type of, of superman in God's kingdom, I, not for my glory either, and that, that's where we've got to distinguish the, the line at, that it's not for our glory, but it's for the glory of our great God, because if you remember when David stepped out in front of the giant, it wasn't so he could be promoted, but it was so that he could promote God inside of him and stand for what was right in, in the face of everything that was wrong and the Philistines that were coming against God's people. 
So when I read those things, I think, that's what I want to do. That's, that's who I want to be. I want to be that kind of man of God that just says, you know what, Lord, you have all of me. And whatever you desire to do in me and through me, God, that's exactly what I want to have happen in my life. And, and, I, and I read those exploits and I read those great accomplishments and I say, that's the kind of stuff I want to see happen in my life. But at the same time, and I think we all can possibly relate to this, I feel like I fall short. So many times. I feel like, man, I have these great aspirations. I have these great dreams. And I have these great, great plans and visions and, and things that I, I know that God's called me to. But you know what? It seems like too often I fall on my face and I blow it. And I don't get all of those things done. But here's what I'm encouraged by and I want to encourage you with today. And that is that so did these heroes of the Bible. You know, we read about the great accomplishments. We read about the exploits. We read about the, the, the mighty miracles and, and the, the powerful demonstrations of God showing up and changing situations miraculously. And, and those are the highlights. But at the same time, look at me right now and understand this. They were just humans like we are. They had the same struggles. They had the same doubts that would, would come knocking on their door. And they, they had the same, same battles with, with believing God and trusting him and stepping out big. We've talked about Elijah a number of times throughout the years here at Connections, and he was a prime example, man. Now, on one, one hand, he was over here standing against these great prophets of Baal and having this showdown and calling down fire from heaven and, and winning this great victory on Mount Carmel for, for God. And then just a few pages later, we find him hiding out in doubt and, and fear from, from Jezebel. So that should encourage us, Right? That we don't always get it right, but guess what? If we don't give up, if we don't throw in the towel, if we just hang in there, continue to contend for God's best in our lives and for the miracles that we want to see happen, guess what we're going to see? We're going to see miracles happen because we're not going to give up. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to, first of all, applaud and then secondly, encourage all of our dads, our men, everybody here today and tell you that that you matter so much to God and to so many others and that no matter what's going on in your life right now with God, with him, you are a superman or, if it were, a superwoman. And as we finish our time this, this morning, I noticed several weeks ago many similarities in the Superman story to Christianity. And those of you that are avid fans of, of Superman and, and comics and heroes and all that, then you're going to pick up on these. And I just want to kind of go over them quickly and share them with, with all of us this morning. But before I do that, I want to give a, a quick disclaimer, and, and that is this, that becoming a Superman certainly doesn't mean that we reach perfection on this side of heaven. Have, have you got that? I mean, it would be nice, wouldn't it? How many of you have already gotten there? Just, just raise your hand and let us know that so we can kind of look out for you and understand that you, you've already reached perfection. Any, any hands going up? Well, that was good, Rhonda. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, it's a joke. None of us are going to get there, but listen, this should be our goal. We are ever to be growing in Christ Jesus, to be everything that he has created us to be. So that being said, let's just take a look at some of these similarities. I've listed them there on your outline. You can kind of fill in the blanks. With the first one being like, like Superman, we are from another planet, right? Like he came from where? Anybody know? Where is that? Krypton, you know, that's, I don't know if it's near Venus, I, I don't know if, you know, near uh, I, Mars, I'm not sure where it's at, but 
That's exactly where he is supposed to be from. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, that we are not of what? This world. Not of this world. You might want to write that down somewhere. And it actually goes to call us these, these terms, strangers and aliens. Now, we hear aliens, and what do we think of? We think of this little Martian UFO landing here on our planet and these little green people coming out and weird-looking creatures. That's not the kind. We're talking about the kind of alien that is not a, a citizen. So if you, as a citizen of the United States, if you were to go to another country on this globe, then you would be considered an alien in that country because you are not a citizen of said nation. And that's exactly the point that, that Peter's driving home here in this letter. He's saying, you're not of this world. You're not of earth. You live there, but here's the key, and, and catch this. You're just passing through. You're heading towards your homeland if you are a Christ follower, that is. So if we are in Christ, if we have been, been saved by his glorious death and resurrection, by the blood of the perfect Lamb of God, if we have received that gift of salvation, then guess what? We don't belong here. Can you tell somebody that right now? I'm not of this world. How about you? With that being the case, the earth not being our home, the Bible tells us that we are at a place that we don't belong to this culture of sin and sinfulness. We don't belong or conform to the ways of this world, that we're literally strangers and aliens, that the ways of this world, the way they think, the way they operate, the way they speak, the way they act, every part of their being, guess what? That's not us. We are called to a different way of life and living. And that's exactly what the words tell us. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 reiterates that. It says, but we are citizens of heaven. <laughs> Don't you love that? We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior and take us home. I don't know about you, but that does something in me. You know what that does? On Tuesday, when I'm kind of getting in the groove of the week and every ordinary thing is happening in my life, that I'm getting up and I'm going through the routine and stuff, that something comes to my mind that I don't belong here. That something hits my heart and my spirit and says, you know what, your time here is limited. You know what, there's coming a day when Jesus, your king, is going to come back and he's going to take you home where you rightfully belong. That this world is not your residing place forever. You're passing through. So it does something in my heart that, that, that I remember that, yes, I don't live here permanently. I'm just passing through and that one day I am going to be in that place that Jesus said, I go to prepare for you. And if I go to prepare that place for you, you better bet everything you've got that I'll come back and take you to be where I am. He came from Krypton, some made-up planet. Church, we are from heaven. And that's why Peter is saying we've got to live as strangers and aliens. And that means that our life is going to be different. How is it going to be different? Listen to this. Morally, I live by a different code. My DNA is drastically different than those of the world that I live in. The lives of the people who are shaped by the culture and the values of this world, that's not going to shape my life. Our lives will be lived in consistency with that other world, that heavenly country, which is our true home into which we are truly heading as the people of God. Listen. There's such a difference between these two worlds that they produce very different lives among those who belong to them. Culture 
thinking, acting, speaking, all those, as I said a moment ago, are dramatically different. Now, Peter could have gotten the same lesson across in other ways. He could have said something along these lines, that the Christian life is a response to the grace of God. Live as saved people, he could have said again, as earlier, be holy as God is holy, but instead, he uses this. Here's what he uses, and in, in, in reality, if you boil this down, he says, think about your true homeland. How many of you are not from this area originally? I know some of you are from the left coast, Cali, the land of fruits and nuts, the granola. I'm sorry, Ken, I'm just having some fun. You're from the east, where? We are on the east coast. Yeah, further up the coast, I got you. And so you understand that this area is, is, is almost like heaven on earth, right, Carolina people? Woo-hoo! Yeah. Well, I tried. But as nice as it is here, where we have a taste of all the seasons, where we have the coast just a couple of few hours away and the mountains just an hour away or whatever you want to say, and, and just beautiful people who are good old down home, southern redneck, nice, hospitable, and how you doing today? Good morning, good to see you. You know, you go to some places of our country and they look at you like, don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Don't get near me. I got my space. I mean, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? You've traveled. Some of you, even though it's that nice, guess what? You being a transplant, as we call them, to this area, it just isn't quite home because it's, it's something foreign that you've, you've not experienced before, you've not lived here before, so it's different. And so that's the mentality, that's the picture that Peter is painting here in his writing that we don't really belong here, we are just passing through. We're biding our time here till Jesus calls us home. And that sense of your true home is clear and powerful. If that sense of, of where you rightfully belong is, is, is real to you as sitting in that chair you're in right now or, or going to the bathroom right now or eating that donut right now, whatever it may be, it will produce a living expectation that will make you want to live the life that is already lived where? Not here, but where? In heaven. That's the point. That's the picture that he paints here for us. God, here's my prayer, and I hope it's yours. God, give us that hunger to live here as in heaven. Would you write that on your outline somewhere? I know it's a great song that Elevation put out a number of years back to worship with, but we want to get the mentality deep inside of us, that, that DNA inside of us to live here on this earth as we are living in heaven and going to live there. And the reason being, we go back to the verse that we started with just a few moments ago, we are not of this world so we don't adopt the stuff of this world to live by. Instead, we are being transformed into that heavenly home place that is our home where we will reside for all of eternity. And therefore, we start living that way right here, right now. How about that, church? And hear this right now. Look at me. Look at me. Don't miss this. If we begin to do that, you're going to be amazed. You're going to be blown away. How it not only impacts your life and my life, but the life of everybody around us that comes in contact with us. They're going to be changed because they're going to notice the difference. And listen, it's not about living by a set of rules and regulations. And I've got to check the boxes and do this and not do that. And, and you know, don't drink, choose, go with girls who do whatever that used to say. I don't know what, you know. 
but it's about loving Jesus with everything that we have. And it's about becoming, as Max Lucado wrote, wrote many, many years ago in his beautiful book, becoming like Jesus in our own lives here. Pure and simple. You, you could write that down. I just want to be like Jesus. You say, well, Pastor, that's a pretty Father's Day 2019. That's a pretty lofty goal to throw out there for us. You doggone right it is. But it's the goal that he put in for us. I didn't give it. He wrote it many years ago. Be like me. Follow me. Lose your identity in me. Become me. Let me live through you, in you, powerfully, beautifully, wonderfully. Display me and my attributes and my, my heart and my vision. And if we all would get to that place, I'm telling you guys, it would be more than I could ever describe and so again, I ask, let's pray that prayer. God, give us a hunger to live here as in heaven. And secondly, we, we see that Superman always transformed, right? <laughs> he had to find a what? A what? What is that? A phone booth, you say? My phone has no booth. My phone is just this little tiny handheld cellular device that I couldn't possibly get into and change. Some of these kids in here are going, "What, Mommy, a phone, what? Do I have that attached? Do I have that app? Do, what, what, is, what is he speaking of? What are these people? It's just foreign to me. Superman, he had to go. Clark Kent had to go find a phone booth to change from that mild manner, you know, daily newspaper reporter. And people are like, what's a newspaper? I mean, isn't this the world we live in now? What's a newspaper? What's a phone booth? I mean, you people are, are crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. So the whole deal was he had to go find that phone booth and change from that nice suit and tie that he wore to work. And, and, and all of a sudden, he would come out in this really tight outfit that I wasn't really comfortable with. I mean, I don't like seeing that kind of outfit on any kind of guy. And so he'd come out in this crazy-looking tight outfit, looked like his pajamas that were a little small for him, and, and this red cape, right? And this big ass on his chest. And then he'd just take off. Hunter asked me if I was going to wear a cape today. I said, there was a few weeks in the 80s where I did rock a cape for a while, but it just didn't work for me, so I swore off of it forever. So, listen, folks, we've got to be transformed as well, but I'm just going to give you some good news. There's no phone booth needed for this to happen, and that's great because you can't find them anymore hardly in. No, our, our transformation comes through the Savior, Jesus Christ. Change is something we all need. It is an ongoing part of life with its constant flux and life demand adjustments and our schedules and plans kind of all over the map. And essentially, change is the new norm for most of us in this day and time that we live in. But people's spiritual lives call for more than a slight change to the calendar. Our lives are in need of transformation, and the reality is that real change starts with new life, not just a new leaf. How many times have you heard that before? I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to really make some changes in my life. And Listen, the Apostle Paul wrote, therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new, a new what? A new creation. Then he goes on and adds this, old things have, 
They're gone. What happens when things pass away? We get rid of them. They're gone. We, we bury them. We throw them in the garbage. Whatever the case may be, they're done away with. Old things have passed away. And look, new things have come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us the very heart of the Christian faith revolves around change. So listen, a person can theoretically come to a church and, and, and feel emotional. You might have been dealing with some guilt in your life over something. Something might have been gnawing at you, like we like to say, and just you can't get away from it because you, you're feeling that guilt and you feel like you just need a release. And, and so you come, and I, I've seen it in, in my 30-plus years of ministry, and I know I only look like I'm, I'm, I'm 30 years old, but believe me, I've been in ministry for over 30 years. I've seen it many, many times where people would come and, and deal with the emotional stuff, and, and they just wanted a release, and they just wanted kind of to be free from some kind of guilt or bondage, and, and so they would come down, and they would just have a good cry session, and, and people would pray with them, and we were earnestly praying for change to come. Why? Because if we don't change, if nothing is transformed in us, if the old is not removed from our lives and, and gotten rid of forever and the new come through Jesus Christ, then guess what? A month, six months, a year, two years, ten years later, we're going to be back in that same place. Probably more like a week or two. Why? Because we don't change the behavior. We just go through an emotional time of, of release and crying and we feel better. But it doesn't change who we are. There's not a transformation that takes place. We're not new in Christ. Here's how Jesus described it. He calls it this, and, and, and grab a hold of your seat because it might knock you out if you're, if you're not careful. He calls it being born again. And when he used that terminology, one of the guys around him said, what are you talking about? Are you saying that a, a, a person can get back into the mother and, and be born again like that, like we think of? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Back the truck up. I'm talking about the old sinful nature that every one of us were born into. Thanks, Adam and Eve. Being crucified with Christ. Being killed those sinful desires, those lusts of the flesh, all that stuff, whatever your stuff is, my stuff is, all that stuff that, that wants to, to knock us down and, and defeat us and destroy us, being nailed to the cross just as Jesus himself was, being crucified, being killed, being buried, being done away with, and the new man, the new woman, the new person being born into this body that we live in temporarily until we get that new body. And man, I'm looking forward to that. With each passing day, I'm looking more forward to it. Because that one's not going to wear out. That one ain't going to have knees that, that hurt all the time. And pop and creak like, like cereal when you pour milk on it. Them Rice Krispies, you know what I'm talking about. Snap, crackle, pop. Woo. And literally, Jesus being born in us. Being born again. And I'm going to tell you something. That's the transformation that must take place. And so from that time on, whenever that happens, whenever we choose to say, you know what, I want that. 
Because here's what happens to me and what happened to you and, and many of you in this room and outside of this room that you've already caught a hold of and a few of you have yet to catch a hold of, but you're going to because God's working that way in your heart right now. I need that. Why? Because I've tried on my own before. I've tried to come down and release that guilt and, and cry a little bit, but not change. Go back to doing exactly what I've always done. And guess where it gets me? Right back to that place where guilt is just eating me up. And I can't find relief, and I, I need something to give. So I go back in this circle, and I say, okay, I'm going to cry. I'm going to you know, have this emotional release. And then, then guess what? I, I go back to the same crap that got me where I was before. And so guess where I'm at? And all of a sudden, do you see the pattern here? It's just a vicious cycle. You're just going in a circle. And at some point in time, you just get to a place you're like, this has got to stop. Like Susan Powder used to say on those infomercials years ago, stop the insanity. I'm the only one that remembers that. It's amazing. Remember Susan Powder had the shaved head, the crazy blonde, spiky hair, and did the exercise? Okay. You're looking at me like I'm a stranger, an alien. <laughs> well, I guess I am. Okay, that's good. Now I'm having a conversation with myself. Let me get back to the message. Here it is. True transformation comes when the sinful self by our own choosing we lay it on the altar and say Lord kill the old me you be born in me and through me brand new resurrect me to life in you change change me the core of who I am because I'm going to tell you something Here's, here's what it, I'm going to fast forward to just, I don't know how long, but I'm going to fast forward into the, I think, the near future when you and I get to stand before for God ourselves. And as the Bible says, we give an account for our own life and our own living. He's going to ask us, did you change or did you play around with it? Were you playing games, going through the emotion, trying to get that emotional release, trying to get the guilt settled down for just a little while longer so you could bear it another week, three weeks, five months, whatever, and then come back to the same place? Or did you let Jesus come in and truly transform your life? And I'm talking a new way of thinking. I'm talking a new way of, 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 of processing. I'm talk, talking about a new way of, of, of reacting and acting and, and all, the whole nine yards. Look. Look, Jesus come in, and it's like we baptized some people here a couple of weeks ago. Man, what a powerful time that was. I heard a great testimony this morning of, of what God did on that very Sunday. But it's like going under the old man. It's symbolic that the old, sinful, fleshy, dead man going under the water and a new creation coming back up in and through Jesus Christ. And listen, folks. That's where... We have to be in this thing of transformation. Third thing that is similar with Superman is he had incredible power. And as you know, if you have studied the Word of God, any at all, if you were in Sunday school as a child at any point in your life, you had to hear of some of the testimonies of God's great power. We, we declared them in worship this morning. That when we're in the fire, we're not going to be there alone. When we're in the waters, it's God's great hand holding them back so that we can walk through on dry land. When we're in the lion's den, guess what? 
we're not going to be touched. God's miraculous power can overcome everything this world has to throw at us. So through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, and I'm talking about that same spirit that raised Christ from where? The bed? No, from the dead. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The Word of God tells us powerfully that it dwells in us. And if it dwells in us, guess what? We have all the power that we need now or will ever need moving forward. That same spirit through God's Holy Spirit. Hear me this morning. You don't, you don't need a cape. You don't need an S on your chest. As a matter of fact, the, the beautiful thing of this, this power that I'm, I'm speaking of, it's the same power that, that the great apostle Paul wrote about throughout his, his letters and in places like 1 Corinthians 3, 5. He says, after all, what is Apollos, who's one of his helpers and one of his fellow ministers? And, and, and after all, who is Paul? We're only servants. What about in 1 Corinthians 2, 3, where he says, I came to you. He's talking to this church in, in Corinth. Now, Listen, you, you might think he would, he would write, I came to you in the great power of our resurrected God. I came to you with great glory and, and clout from on high that, that the Lord's presence and power was, was rich in me. And I'm, I'm coming to you boldly in that same overwhelming, amazing, incredible power. No. <laughs> but listen to what he says. I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. What? Come on, Paul. Get with the program. Ah, but listen. He goes on. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses. If you got some weaknesses, I know I do. Guess what? We need to celebrate those things. Why? Because when we are weak, he is strong so less of us more of him right greater him less me Paul is declaring something that's really kind of counter to what this whole Superman theory is all about he's saying hey guess what the power is not us the power is in us through Jesus Christ that when we are weak he is strong he's all the power we're going to ever need when you go back to school young people in just a couple short months guess what he is going to be right there with you walking those hallways and all the stuff that comes at you you've got the weaknesses in your life but you've got a greater strength that overcomes every one of those weaknesses you have don't ever let that go don't ever forget about that. Same with us older students out here, right in these sections. We've got all the power. He said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom. But God, God's power. The next thing is that Superman had a weakness. Anybody tell me what that was? And we have a weakness as well. And ours is fill in your blank. 
But the, the real weakness, the real battle, and I, I want you to get this. We're about to finish up, so stay with me a couple more moments, please. The real battle is unbelief. As a matter of fact, you can write this down. Unbelief is our kryptonite. Nothing on earth is more powerful than the Holy Spirit flowing through the faith of a born-again disciple of Jesus Christ. Nothing. It is the greatest superpower available to anyone anywhere. Through, through faith, nothing is impossible, the Bible tells us. When a Christian is full of, of, of the Holy Spirit-empowered faith, they cannot stop and cannot be stopped speaking about what they have seen and heard, as we saw in Acts chapter 4, verse 20. Not even death can silence them, as Hebrews 11, 4 tells us, of those who laid their lives down and, and became martyrs for Jesus Christ. So this means that nothing is more humanly destructive to the domain of darkness than a faith-filled Christian. Do you get that right now? Through him, Jesus destroys the enemy's works, as 1 John 3, 8 tells us. The only thing Satan's forces Fear more than the vibrant faith of a Christ follower is the unified, collaborative, vibrant faith of a community of Christians called a church. So when we're all on the same page, when we're all contending for, for being full of faith in Jesus Christ, that, that we're pushing out the doubt, we're pushing back the darkness as a group. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put how many to flight? 10,000, that's kingdom math. It doesn't really make sense to us. You would think, well, if one could put 1,000, two could probably put 2,000. But somehow the Bible says one can put 1,000, two can put 10,000. Guess how many 250, 300 people can put the flight? You're going to have to guess because I don't have a clue. I'm not good at math, but it's a bunch. That's the only other thing that Satan hates more. That's why I look at me, church, in these last days. We rode by a church building last night. And, and the church was no longer there. We were heading out to get something to eat. And Tiffany said, man, there's been a church in that building for, for years. And no more. I hear from pastors all the time that say, we, we're dying, we're done, we're, we're dead. Divisiveness within the body, bickering, arguing about stupid stuff. Imagine that, people arguing over dumb stuff. I know back when I was young, it was the color of the carpet, brother. And like I've said before, we just eliminated that argument. We didn't do carpet. Done and done. Hear this clearly today, everyone. Satan is after your faith in Jesus Christ. Any of you gun enthusiasts in here ever use a scope that has the crosshairs in it? That's what he's aiming for in your life and in mine. Because aside from all the, the ways, the various ways he tries to erode our faith, whatever your temptation, whatever your struggle is, and you've got yours and I've got mine, we all know what they are, the weak spots, the, the blind spots that we tend to have where we need others who can come along and say, hey, be careful on your, on your left flank, which will be over here. You, you've got, you know, got some trouble brewing. You've you got to watch out. That's why we need each other. But listen, whatever 
temptation area he comes at you. His ultimate goal and, and ultimate desire is to just get you to give up on your faith in Jesus Christ and, and, and walk away from it. And one of the greatest things that breaks my heart as a Christian and a minister is to look around this room Sunday after Sunday to see the people that he's gaining ground in their lives because I don't see them here very often. Now, I know some of them go to another church and manifest what God has for them. Go, but go to church. Don't walk away from your faith. Don't give up. But I know many of those, hear me, many of those are giving up and throwing in the towel on their faith, on their calling, on their ministry, on their mission. And I'm telling you what, the more you stay away, the weaker you will become. I don't care about this garbage that people have said for years. Well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian pastor. <laughs> you better read your Bible. Hebrews tells us, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together and all the more as you see the day approaching when Jesus Christ is going to step out on the clouds and the trumpet's going to blast and we're going home. And that day is drawing ever closer. So you might want to use that theology. You might want to stand on that principle. You might want to spout that to whomever will listen to you. But I'm here to tell you today, stop that junk in your life and get your butt in church. Yeah, I said it. Because I'm going to tell you something. You need the church, and the church needs you. We need each other. We are living in this nation in a severe, severe, severe crisis of faith right now. Where all hell literally is breaking out against the church. And as the Lord said through one of his prophets, I sought for a man among them who would stand in the gap, but I found none. God, find many here that will stand for you in these last days. We have the vulnerability of unbelief. It weakens us and can destroy us, and Satan knows this all too well. So he's coming at us. Don't let him get you. Do not let him be successful. His goal and mission is to destroy our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number five, as we move towards a close, is Superman loved and helped hurting people. Folks, that's what we're created to be and do, especially as men. We are to be protectors and heroes to the hurting and to the helpless. And, and boy, does our world need that so desperately now. And it starts in our homes with our own families. And God forgive us for the times that we felt, I felt, all of us have felt in that area. But God help us be better at that. Be better men and husbands and fathers as you've called us to do. And thank you, men, for being faithful in this area, which is all too important. Then we also do all we can in our communities and beyond. We as men have a unique assignment to cover and protect and help. A beautiful picture of this helping heart is played out in the, the recent animated movie called The Nativity. Any, anybody seen that movie? It's, it's about 
the birth of Christ, but it, it more so follows, Tiffany and I and Devin saw it. It's it just an amazing movie. It more so follows uh, Mary and Joseph and kind of tells their story along the way. And it, it's, it's a cartoon, but man, it, it's powerful. It's beautiful. And, and in one scene, they were traveling to get, get to Jerusalem and get to Bethlehem, and, and, and they were on their donkey, and the donkey had a, you know, he's a pretty cool little character. I don't know if you remember that, but, but uh, he, was, he was getting tired. He was carrying Mary, and along the journey, they came across a group that were heading that way too, and, and their, their animal had killed over from hunger and dehydration and, and was really struggling. And Joseph saw that, and, and he had to be thinking to himself, that, that's going to happen to us if, if we don't do something. But food was scarce and water was scarce. But then you fast forward to where they're around their little campfire and, and spending the night to get some rest along their journey. And, and you see a scene where they're eating the little bit of food they have and Joseph's pretending to eat it. But all the while behind his back, he's slipping food to, to his animal because he knew that animal was carrying his wife and, and was literally carrying Jesus. And so when Mary turned to go to sleep... He turned and gave all the, the food he had to this little animal. And man, I, I, I just was reminded of that this week. And I thought, that's, that's who we're called to be. That's, that's the life we're called to live as men of God. You, you want to be a, a superhero? You want to be a superman in God's eyes? You help the widows. You help the poor. You help the, the hurting, the hopeless, man. You, you cover them. You protect them. You feed the hungry. You take in the orphans and you give them a home and you be a dad and you, you, you be a family to them. You go the, the, the extra mile like that. You go to those who are in prison and who are in need and, and you love and protect and serve and give and, 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 and literally just, just help those who hurt. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. You will change the world. We will change the world if we began to step up and love and help people who are hurting. And then lastly, God's supermen clearly understand their mission and their purpose. It was to love and serve God, family, and community. We love and serve God, our families, and the communities around us. Would you close your eyes with me just for a moment? Loving God and loving people and proclaiming and living the good news of our Savior and Lord everywhere we go. It's just that simple. But I'm telling you, it's so powerful. And it changes our lives and the lives of those that we come in contact with. Now, I just want to say right now before we, before we have a, a time of prayer, maybe you feel more like Clark Kent than Superman in your life right now, but the great news is that God can turn that around by transforming your life in every way imaginable. So if you are in this room and you're not in this room and you're listening, whatever you're going through right now, here's what I want you to know. God sees, he knows, he loves you with an everlasting love, and he's here to help you and your hurt. He sees that you're hurting, you're struggling. He sees that you've, you've dropped the ball and you've messed up and you've sinned and you've, you've fallen short. He sees that and he's here to help. 
He's here to transform and change all of that stuff in your life today. He sees the, the hope that you have. He sees the, the, the desire that you have to stand up and be that, that man of steel, that superman, that, that great warrior that he can, can make you into. And he says, you know what? You let me. I'll do it. Ladies, he sees that some of you have been a mom and a dad. You've, you, you're a single parent. You've, you, you've had that, that burden in your life. And it's, it's, a, it's a burden of, of joy and pleasure, but it's also painful and difficult and challenging. And, and he sees that and he says to you, I'm here to help like I've always been. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up. I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of you dads and that, that carry that same weight on your shoulders. You're a single dad and you're, you're doing it all. And, and guess what? God says, man, I'm with you. Here's, here's what I just want to ask first and foremost. With every eye closed for just another moment. If you're in this room and you'd say, you know what, Pastor? The Holy Spirit just grabbed a hold of my heart today. Man or woman, teenager, adult, it doesn't matter to me. If, if, if the Holy Spirit has done something powerful in your heart today and calling you beyond where you're at right now in your own life, in your own walk with Him, I just want you to raise your hand all across this room and acknowledge that first. Yes, ma'am. Yes. How many others? Just slip your hand up and say, you know what? God's doing something. Yes, sir. How many others? Just raise your hand. Yes, ma'am. Yes. How many others? Just raise your hand. God's doing something in my life. I, I'm understanding what, what that is. Yes, ma'am. Yes. 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 Anybody else that you want to respond right now? Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Yes. Thank you. Here's what I want to ask. Those of you that raised your hands, I just want you to come stand with me right here on this blue rug at the front of this church. Just, just make your way down now. We're going to stand, but you're not going to be alone because I'm going to make a call for, for some others, too, to come. And, and that is for all of our men in this room, no matter how young you are, how old you may be, would you, would you come as well and stand with all of these that are coming now that raised a hand for, for responding to, to something that God is calling them to this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would you just come and gather here as close-knit as you can at the front of this church and you're mingled with people who, who raised their hands before I even called you to come up that God's doing something of transformation in their lives that's beginning right now in this moment. So thank you for coming and being a part of this. I know that the tradition is to call the men down front every Father's Day, the women every Mother's Day, but I want you to know right now that it's more than just that. It's more than just going through a tradition and doing this because we've, we've always done it in our 10-year history. No. We believe this is an impartation, a time we get to pray over our men and our fathers and our, our young men, and we believe this is a time that we get to to minister to those who responded to a call of, of change in their lives this morning, that God is, is speaking to their hearts directly and saying, hey, this is your day. The things I have for you, you can't even imagine them right now. So here's what I want to ask as well, that all of you ladies who are still in your seats, and all of you men that, that haven't joined us as of yet, if you would come and just surround and join 
these that are gathered around the front of this church, you say, well, Pastor, that's going to kind of fill the front up. Yep, that's right, but that's okay. We have no issues crowding people in. And I want you just to find somebody to rest your hand upon their shoulder. Partner with them right now in prayer. And just begin to pray over them as you come down here. Don't wait for me to pray. You, you begin to pray even now over those that you're linked with and that you're partnered with in this room. Thank you, Lord. Miss Angel, I just would like to ask you to come and, and, and lead us in this prayer, if you would, over our, our men, husbands, fathers, our, 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 our folks who responded today by saying, I feel God's call leading me, drawing me. Would you just minister over us right now in this prayer time? Thank you. Thank you, Father. God, we praise you because you are our father thank you god that you are our father you're our dad and lord i just give you praise i give you glory you are worthy of our praise today god i thank you that you allow us to come to the presence of a mighty god god that you allow us to come into the holy of holies Lord, you meet us where we are. God, we don't have to change before coming before you. And God, I thank you that for each and every man in this place that represents, that is standing here before you, a powerful God, a God who loves us. And Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that the anointing and the empowerment of who you are, your Holy Spirit, Father God, would begin to prompt and begin to pull and begin to allow these men to just begin to fall for you, begin to press into you. I pray, Father God, that they would not stop where they're at, but God, they would not leave this place today the same, but changed. And I pray, Father God, for each and every man, Lord Jesus, that they would begin to press in, push, 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 that they would not give up, but they would push into the presence of their king. And Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus as they are the man of their household, as they are the man, that they would step up into that man of God that you have called them to be, that man of God who's going to lead their wives, who's going to lead their children, who's going to lead their home into the presence of God, that they're going to stand up with all boldness and they're going to allow the anointing and the presence of their king to move them and that their steps are ordered by God. And I, God, I praise you in the name of Jesus that today is a new day, that whatever they're dealing with, whatever they're facing, that they would not rely on what they see. They will not rely on what they feel, but they will rely on the word of God and they would trust in you and allow you to move powerfully into their lives. Jesus, we come to you and we thank you right now for what you're doing and what you're going to do. And we give you praise 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more information, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.